What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. The music for today's show is provided by Misha Zarin. So many thanks to Misha. I strongly encourage people to check out their local food bank to see how they can help out as food banks like the Ozarks Food Harvest here in my town are helping families overcome food insecurity, which is a problem we need to solve. Follow me on social media like Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Walk Show or The Walk Show Pod. All those links are in the show notes for you. This week, we are joined by Amy Rosdahl, who's the founder of Billable at the Beach, which helps corporate professionals become consultants. Amy traded her corporate job for consulting 15 years ago and now helps other professionals do the same thing. Amy found the advantages are freedom, flexibility, control, interesting work, and excellent pay. I really enjoyed my conversation with Amy, so let's get over to it. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Amy Razda, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. Um, I, I always have to, to give a shout out when this lady is the, the source of a connection, and, and that lady in this case is Carolyn Owens. Um, she introduced us. Um, have you have you actually been on Carolyn's show at this point yet? Yes, it, has, it hasn't gone live yet, but we've recorded it. Okay, gotcha. Um, well, yeah, Carolyn, uh, Carolyn's awesome. And I always have to try and give her credit when I can, cause she's, she's a great, great lady. So, um, either way, we didn't have you on just to talk about, to extol the, the virtues of Carolyn Owens. <laughs> um, so Amy, you are the founder of Billable at the Beach. Um, and instead of muddying the waters, I'll just ask you, what is Billable at the Beach? Yeah. So first of all, doesn't everyone want to be billable at the beach, assuming that you need to be billable? Right. Um, I was a corporate type for many years. So I left my corporate job and started my own consulting business more than 15 years ago. And I love it. I get to Mm. work when I want, where I want, how I want. I still work hard, but having all of that freedom and flexibility is fantastic. And for me, When I first got started, um, I've got two kids now, but I didn't at the time. So I would get up and I would water ski first thing in the morning and then I would come home and I would work for a while and then I'd do something else for, I'd take some dance classes and then I would work some more. So I still was working full time and still working a lot of hours, but being able to do it on my own schedule and being able to have so much control over the people that I worked with and the projects that I did made it feel almost like I wasn't working and it's fabulous. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I had a lady on, um, on last fall sometime from Australia and, and she not quite as specific as what you do, but she had a similar kind of thing where she was in, in the corporate life and then found herself, uh, I think at a wedding and not able to, to be present because she was, had work demands. And so she started trying to help people find, ways they could be entrepreneurs. So again, not as focused on consulting specifically. Um, but it just seems like the reason I bring that up is it seems like that's a, a, a common, for lack of a better term, sentiment um, that, again, it's not that you're, you know, wanting to get away from working or anything like that, but it's it's being able to, to have a lot more control and say so over when you're going to focus your time in different areas. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And for me, I was always interested in it. I can remember being back in high school and there was one of those career days that's mm. relatively common in high school. And a woman came and this is back before there was even the internet, but she was doing computer programming 
And mm. she was doing it via, back in those old prehistoric days, via a timeshare line. Oh, so okay. she was able to do it remotely. So even back in high school, uh, one of the reasons I chose software engineering in my early professional days is I had this concept that I could live in Aspen, I could ski all day, and I could work at night. And that's not exactly how it turned out, but I was always <laughs> interested in, in flexibility and yeah. When I found myself working all day in a cubicle, I didn't mind working hard. I didn't even mind working early in the morning, but man, sitting in a cubicle all day, that for me was deadly. And I felt stifled and in the winter you would, and I even live in San Diego, so the winters aren't bad, but you would, I would get into my cubicle just a little after the sun came up and I would spend the whole day and I would come out of my cubicle and it would be dark and I would feel like I never saw the sun. And that to me was just kind of, it wasn't the work. It was the environment that really was soul crushing to me. Yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. Um, I, I, uh, have spent many years in the corporate world and, uh, <laughs> there are definitely, you know, some positives to it, but it definitely can feel that way. And I think that in my own experience, I, I refer to it as kind of the corporate roulette wheel. And what I mean by that is it's like, it kind of doesn't matter how great your manager is or how great your team is. Eventually the corporate roulette wheel is going to spin and something that, at least for me, that I hate, is <laughs> going to be brought to, to, to bear that I have to, you know, do it or whatever. And there's just not really anything you can do about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you just kind of trapped in that spot. Well, it's, that's such a great way to describe it. I've never heard, I never thought of it as a corporate roulette wheel. (laughs) And, and it, I think eventually it happens to everybody. And, and I started down the path about talking about billable at the beach. I'll take it just a couple of steps further and close that loop a little bit. So I left my corporate job for consulting, which I love. So I built my own consulting business. And the thing is about the corporate job. And first of all, I want to say, for anyone out there, if you're really happy and you love your corporate job, then I am happy. I love it. The, I loved my corporate job. There's a ton of people out there. So I don't want this in any way to make anyone out there feel bad about their corporate job or have second thoughts or anything. This is just for the people who are thinking, or even if you're really happy in your corporate job, there may be some point in your career. It might be due to your life because something's going on, or you might get close to retirement age where you just want a little bit more control and flexibility. So I don't want anyone to feel bad out there in their corporate job. But as I went about building my corporate, uh, my consulting business, I really loved the work that I did. So the work that I do in my consulting business is the same. It's just, I have control over some of the other, you know, the roulette wheel. I, I, we've taken that out of the equation. <laughs> right. And what Billable at the Beach is, is as I went about doing that outreach over over those years as I built my consulting business, I would get people who would come back to me and they would say, you know, Amy, I don't have a project for you, but I've been thinking about starting my own consulting business. Can we talk? Mm. So that kept happening over and over and over. And I thought, eventually I thought, you know, and then the question came up so many times that a colleague of mine asked me to speak on the topic of starting your own consulting business. And I thought, you know, I think the market is asking me for a program, which now is billable at the beach, that helps people start their own consulting business. 
So Billable at the Beach was born about 10 years ago, and it was just out of people asking me so many times, um, you know, could I talk to them about that, that I started this program that helps people start their own consulting businesses. So that's really now what Billable at the Beach is. Right. So there's, so do you still do the consulting work or, or are you primarily focused on kind of coaching up clients that want to get into that space themselves? So for the first several years of Billable at the Beach, I did both still. And still 80% of my revenue was from my core consulting business and about 20% was from Billable at the Beach. And at first it was just an offline one-on-one program. And then about two, so two years ago, I had never listened to a podcast I'd never been in a Facebook group. I sure I knew about social media, but Facebook was for high school reunions and, you know, reconnecting with your high school classmates and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I discovered this whole online world. And so I took all of my Billable at the Beach programs and everything online, which was really exciting because, first of all, there was this whole new world, which was just really fun to learn about. And then I was able to serve a global market. So I have people now, not all the time, but I have people from Kenya who Mm. are in my programs. And that's just, it's so cool to sit here and think, wow, there's this person in Kenya who's has the exact same thoughts and struggles that all the rest of us have it. They're all in English. So people have to speak, speak English. But so over the last two years I've transitioned so that I only do hands-on consulting now if someone really begs. Oh, okay. When you're consulting with companies, to some extent, you're you're dealing with with companies and industries and products that you probably don't have firsthand familiarity with, right? Um, and so you've got to overcome that in some way. And so I guess where I'm going is, does the consulting that you were doing with companies kind of translate to the consulting that you do with your one-on-one, with the individuals that want to get into the consulting world? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, so that makes sense. And so what I'll say is, I think the best way to be a consultant and what I really teach in my programs is that when you're doing on your working in your core consulting business, you actually are working in areas where you have experience. Mm. So what I really teach people to do is be a superhero with a superpower making super pay. So the idea is that you've worked all of these years, you possibly have done education, maybe even advanced degrees, you've worked a number of years in the corporate world, and you really love what you do, and you've invested all of that time and training, and you've paid your wheels and your your wheels, your dues, you've survived the corporate roulette wheel, that's where I was going with with that (laughs) tongue-tie. Um, You've survived all that stuff. And so you have all this value to offer. So I work with people to figure out, okay, in that breadth of skills that you've been using in the corporate world, where really is your superpower? Mm. And where your superpower is, and it's some intersection between what you love to do, what you do the best, and what the market really needs and will Mm. pay a premium for. So you kind of find that little sweet spot between those things, and that's your superpower. Mm. So really your superhero, superpower, super pay. Now what's really made me good at teaching people how to do it is I've been doing it for more than 15 years, and Walker, I have made 
every mistake. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I can tell people and I can teach them because I've made some of them, I've made more than once. I can tell them, here are the pitfalls to look out for because I know them so personally, right? The blood, sweat, and tears. And because I work with now so many people over the last 10 years who are starting it, I see where everybody instinctively gravitates. Mm. So I know kind of like, what are people instinctively going to want to do? And I can head them off before they make those mistakes that everybody wants to make. Gotcha. I guess I guess where my thought was, and, and that, may, that all makes perfect sense. I guess my thinking was like, the, you know, if someone, let's say, works in a technology company and then now they want to and that, that's where their experience is. But to your point, like the skill that they have probably isn't actually specific to the technology industry. Right. Like if they're good at this is a very random thing, but let's say they're very highly organized. Well, that's not really specific to an industry. But, but I, I guess where I'm trying to go is I'm thinking that, you know, maybe a listener is hearing this and they're like, well, would I be able to, to, to consult for something outside of my own industry? And it's like, to your point, yes, because what you're focusing on and what you're what you're offering isn't necessarily industry expertise. Right. It's I mean, it, I guess it could be, but it's more personal than that. Is, is that no, accurate? no, that that's a really good point that you're making. And it really depends what your superpower is. Mm. If you're a nuclear atomic engineer, then you're probably not going to work in the grocery business. Right. That's fair. <laughs> but, but for me, um, in my core consulting business, a lot of my, I'm a software engineer by background, then I went to business school. I'm really good at getting things done. Mm -hmm. really kind of like a high level project manager. So if you give me an end result that you want, I will do whatever it takes to figure out how to get there from the executive board to the loading dock. I've climbed around the roof of target stores. And so I really love that wide range. But, um, for me, it doesn't really matter the industry sector. So I start out, started out working a lot in medical devices and software, but then I gravitated, and really the way that you gravitate, Walker, is relationships with people. Mm. So the way I ended up, even though my background is medical devices, the way that I ended up on the roof of Target is a woman that I knew from the medical device world got hired by a company that installs and services refrigeration equipment in grocery stores. Mm. And they had a big project at Target installing all their refrigeration I don't know if you remember, but about 10 years ago, Target and Walmart made huge grocery expansions. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they had those contracts. So I was literally on the roof of Target buildings looking at stuff, and it was really fun. <laughs> and way back in the days of American Idol, when they were kind of the first of those talent kind of TV mm -hmm. shows, I worked on a project for American Idol, even though I had never done anything like that. I worked the second season of American Idol. I was responsible for a sweepstakes contest that gave away an all-expenses-paid all trip for four to the American Idol finale, which was oh, a wow. super big deal at the time. Right. But you can imagine, it's really fun. You know, I talked about how I used to be stuck in a cubicle all day. Man, when I was when people heard I was working on that sweepstakes. Everybody was my best friend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Well, no, I, I mean, that sounds super interesting. And it, I, I mean, it, it uh, 
really it's it i mean they're very different things your consulting business and and what i have here with my podcast but um i mean that's the the show i'm doing is exploring the walk of life because i like talking to such a variety of people because that variety of experiences is fascinating and so it sounds like you were able to kind of find that through the consulting work by having all these different industries and companies to work for and jumping around so much because it's not just one company that you work for right and and the i kind of ramble on here which hopefully is okay since we're having a conversation (laughs) but you talked about you know people out there thinking well is there something i can consult on all of you have a superpower every single one of you has a superpower and it's a matter of figuring out what that superpower is and that can be what you're consulting on right Mm -hmm. And that's kind of your podcast. Your superpower is having these interesting conversations and bringing it out of people and knowing the right questions to ask to make it interesting that people sure. want to listen to it. Yeah. Well, we'll see if I can start getting some consulting work out of it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so another question I had, um, you know, in thinking about it on my own, after after you and I had been introduced and I started thinking about the, the, the kind of work that you're doing with helping people get into that consulting, um, I, I guess a question I would have is how do you how does a person go about establishing credibility as a consultant at the beginning when I mean, obviously, they have their career and their credentials, but if I've never consulted someone, then why would they believe that I could? You know what I mean? Yeah, so I do I do tell people that you need you do need to consult in an area where you have expertise. Okay. Right? It really does need to be something that you know about or people or you aren't going to be credible. But as you start talking to people it becomes obvious and you start talking about the projects that you've done. So everyone has done a lot of projects whether they thought about them like that or not even in your corporate job, in your life, in your world, you've done all these projects and you start talking about them and you start positioning them. And it's interesting that there is this kind of um, imposter syndrome. I think people talk about it, you know, so Mm -hmm. people are a little nervous about it. And what I tell people is the work that you're going to be doing is the same it's the who, the what, the where that's different. So it's the first few times that you go into a consulting project, it's going to be a little bit scary. But once you dive into the work, you realize that you really are the expert. They've brought you in to be the expert and you're going to go, oh, I know this and get down to work. Now, I did have an interesting client kind of to take this point a little bit further some years ago, and she was an accountant. Her Mm. whole career had been in accounting big accounting firm. Then she jumped off and started working for companies 
but always in finance and accounting functions. She said, Amy, I am sick of accounting. I don't even want anyone to know that I'm accounting. I want to do strategic planning in the brewing industry. And I said, well, who would hire you? You don't know anything about the brewing industry. I said, just because you like beer doesn't mean you're qualified (laughs) to do strategic planning in the brewing industry, right? Right. So it really does have to, to be an area. If you really are a person who's sitting there going, you know what, I've been an accountant all my life and I hate accounting, then I don't think consulting may not be the right thing. Maybe you want to look at buying. I co-speak often with um, a franchise broker. Ah. So we kind of talk together and um, we offer different way, you know, different career paths. Often for corporate folks who are looking for something else, we speak often to people who have been liberated by their companies. Um, they didn't think they wanted to be liberated, but through uh, no fault of their own, they have been. And we talk about, okay, what now? You can go get another job. You can start consulting. You can buy a franchise. So I try to go down the path a little bit with these folks and say, you know, are you sure that you hate the subject matter expertise that you have? Or is it these other constraints, the roulette wheel, the cubicle, the, you know, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff and try and dig down and... And if they really hate what they do, the subject matter, then I say, you know what, maybe you should talk to my friendly franchise broker. But if it's all kind of the trappings that go around it, then we go a little bit further because a lot of us really enjoy what we do. And we really enjoy being able to help other people through the expertise that we've developed in our careers. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, I've found for myself that, um, curiosity ends up being a pretty big motivator for me. And, and now it's not, I don't write that out on paper or something. I don't look at situations and go, what, what about this makes me curious? It's more just kind of intuitively, if I'm drawn to something, it's typically because I want to understand more about it or I want to see what, what, yeah, know more about it to whatever, whatever flavor that takes. Um, so do you find that, that the curiosity is a big kind of, factor in in the kind of work that that the consultants end up doing because they're having to jump into unknown situations or in situations where there are so many unknowns? Absolutely. Because one of the common themes that you get in the corporate world is you kind of get stuck. You kind of get pigeonholed. I have a daughter who's a senior in high school who's, you know, um, since it's such a tough time to be a senior in high school, can imagine she's, um, you know, just her mind really is off, off in college already. And we've talked about how that's kind of a time to reinvent yourself a little bit, like all the old baggage and, and all of us had a chance to experience moving schools or moving or whether it's college or just getting out of high school or whatever, a chance to like lose the old baggage of something that you did in seventh grade and, you know, all the old labels and stuff like that. So Mm. you have a chance to leave some of those kind of pigeonhole type things behind. So it still needs to be your expertise. And then it's up to you. You want to work in different industry sectors like me, you know, American Idol and Target and all these different companies. Um, For me, I liked working with smaller startup companies that were doing exciting new stuff. I have other colleagues who do big stuff. 
maybe what you can really do also is you can really tie in um, one of the pieces that I work with people on is I say, I'm not a life coach, but I say, what are some of the things that you really want in your lifestyle? So for me, in the early days, I had really small children. I didn't want to do a lot of travel. You know, I had a baby at home. I didn't want to travel. So I, I could design my consulting, so I didn't. I have people that I've worked with or other colleagues who they're empty nesters. Their kids are all out. They love to travel, and they're in a situation where their spouse can come with them. Mm. So they say, hey, if I do a series of um, overseas assignments – my husband's going to come with me and we're going to have a great time because then we have our weekends in London and Paris and boy, that sounds especially good right now, but uh, <laughs> right to all of us who've been inside for a little longer than we would like, but you can really take those lifestyle preferences and translate them into client benefits. Mm-hmm. So there's so many opportunities to really be able to expand your life and career in, in ways that you never could because of, I just, I love this. I keep going back to the, the roulette wheel. And I also work with people who, because of that roulette wheel, mm-hmm. every time they were just about to get that next, they were going to become a vice president or a CEO, something happened. The company got acquired or the market dropped out or, you know, something happened that was completely out of their control. And some people that I work with, that happened two or three times. And now they're getting, you know, toward retirement and they always wanted to be a CEO and they never got to. And I work with them and I say, hey, you know what? Now's your chance. You can be your own CEO and you can design it and you can do what you want. And a lot of times those people, and I feel the same way, I really want to add value. I really want to see the impact of my work on a consulting company. Right. And so it's very rewarding to be able to do that, both um, emotionally and financially. Right. Yeah. I don't know which one of those is more important. It might be a chicken or the egg thing where you can't say just one, right? But... um... I don't know. It feels like if, you know, if you're, if you're in abject poverty, loving the work probably isn't enough (laughs) to make the abject poverty. Okay. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're a six figure person and you dread every morning, I don't know that that's worth it either. You know what I mean? So are you someone, do you, do you, I want to be careful how I frame this question because you made a really excellent point at the beginning of how we were of, of our talk, which was, you know, look, none of this is about saying like there is only one way or there is only one job you should work or there's only one type of, you know, none of this is about shaming someone <laughs> into yeah, changing, absolutely. you know, yes. none of that. So I, I, I don't mean to frame it th- that way at all, but I, do you, do you find that you believe that most people, or at least maybe most people that are, you know, 10 plus years into their career should be looking, pursuing some sort of entrepreneurship? Um, outside of, of just staying as an employee or don't don't really think that that's relevant and it's just kind of up to the individual on what they want to do? I really think it's up to the individual because I think there's kind of a broad range of sort of personality types and people. And I have an awful lot of friends who would never want to do it, mm. who perceive it as risky And I think that the, honestly, I personally think the risk in it is more perception than reality 
because we, many of us know, and I live in Southern California and I work a lot in high tech. So job security is really non-existent in the sectors that I work in. So you can walk into your corporate job for many of us any day and you can unexpectedly be, I say liberated, laid off, right? Right. (laughs) You can walk in and your job has been eliminated, nothing to do with you personally or your performance or anything. So when you have your own business, I think there's the perception that it's riskier, but I really know what's going on. The, the roulette wheel impact is much less because I have control over so much more. Yes, absolutely. Environmental things can happen. Something can happen to me or my health. You know, things can still happen. But I really, I'm responsible for that revenue stream and the pipeline. But the thing that not everyone realizes, if you have your own business, any kind of your own business, I don't care what it is you are responsible for bringing in business. So everyone's a little afraid of the word selling. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what kind of business you have. And I don't think everyone really likes to face this. But if you have your own business, you have to sell. Whatever that means in your business, there is no way to avoid it, right? Anything Mm -hmm. from a hair salon to a restaurant. And I believe that all business really is based on relationships or most of it is unless yours unless you're in a business where really it's price and price only um and even then there's branding and stuff like that and again so much a hundred percent in consulting it's about relationships so a certain amount of your time one of the things that i really live and die by myself and really work with my people on is Never let a day go by without doing something toward networking, marketing, and business development, really, which is about relationship building. Mm -hmm. And when you're in consulting, even the reason why you and I are both here is because we both know Carolyn, right? right? It's about a relationship and a connection. And you and I had never met before today, but she, she referred me to you. Most of my consulting business and the way that it works for most consultants is it's by referrals. It's about people that you've worked with, people that you meet, relationships that you develop. In the marketing world, you know, they call it the KLT, the know, like, and trust factor, Mm. right? That's what it's all about. Hmm. That's why people listen to you. And we know that podcasting is such an intimate medium because you're in my ears when I'm driving my kids to school and walking the dog and working out and driving to work. And I start to feel like I know you, even though we've never met in person. So these relationships and ways that we build relationships are really key to any kind of business that you have. Yeah. Well, I think you, you make two really, really interesting points about relationships and then about selling. And I, I guess I think that, and and really about the risk thing as well. And it's it's interesting, um, like you said, it's all like a lot of it seems to be just people's perception of it, right? Maybe then more the, the reality right. of it. And I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, so I have a life coach that I talk to on a regular basis. And, you know, not too long ago, I was talking about, I was stressed about my, my day job and talking about that with her. And, 
and eventually it came out and I mean, you just said this a few moments ago, but it, it, she was like, do you really believe that there's job security in, in any job? And I was like, no, because by the time I was 30, I'd been laid off from three or four, maybe just three companies, but wow. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and these, and these weren't small businesses, you know, one's MCI WorldCom, right. And stuff like yeah. that. I mean, major corporations that, Especially as a twenty-year-old kid, I thought, "Yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna be fine." Um, and, and then the layoffs come, and so it's like it's funny because you're right that the 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 thing that people identify as risk is like, well, you know, being out there on your own. What if it doesn't work? And it's like, well, <laughs> working at a company. What if that doesn't work? Because you might show up tomorrow, and they might say, "Yeah, sorry, it, it, it's not happening anymore." <laughs> and there's there's nothing for that. It's just interesting how perceptions of of something like risk there can be so skewed in one way, and it's like the thing that you're af- not you, Amy, but <laughs> the thing that people yeah. are afraid of, they're already actually in that boat <laughs> like they're already in bed with that risk that they think they're avoiding you know <laughs> well and every risk kind of has a mirror twin so right <laughs> it's there and it's interesting too as i've really over the years developed my billable at the beach program and i started out just working one-on-one with people now i work more with groups um fear exactly <laughs> what you're saying is what drives so many things so when I look at the common pitfalls or common mistakes, one of them is not charging enough. Mm. Out of the bat gate, almost everybody doesn't charge enough. Right. And I realize that it's because at the at the bottom of it, I'm afraid that if I look you in the eye and I say, Walker, I charge whatever dollars an hour, that you're going to look at me and you're going to laugh in my face and you're going to say, that's crazy, I would never pay you that. Mm-hmm. That's really the fear that's at the bottom of that because right. I'm selling myself and I'm really, even though it's a business skill, I'm really putting myself out there and that's scary. Right. And another thing that people want to do is they immediately want to just lock up and sell out all their capacity, even if mm-hmm. they do it at a discount because they're afraid that they're not going to find the next project that they're not going to find. And so I really try to reverse the mindset and talk about superhero, superpower, super pay and things like <clears throat> some people think, well, if I buy a whole bunch of hours, I should get a volume discount, right? And if I, if I want it, you know, buy all your capacity for the next two weeks and I turn it around and I say, if you want FedEx overnight, you want quick and everything, do you pay more or less? Right. So I want, if you're going to spend your time doing this, you might as well make the money that you're worth. I want you to be FedEx overnight, not, you know, media rate mail. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's snail mail. Right. Yeah. Do they still have that? Do people (laughs) still have media that is like in a box and not just over the (laughs) ethernet? But you know what I'm saying. So yeah. some of it, honestly, is kind of fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, in one of my lives, I'm a dancer and I've done a lot of performing arts. So I kind of bring that facet into the idea that even if you're not feeling this, kind of take it on like a role. You're a superhero with a superpower making super pay. Step into that power. Mm. And we were talking about selling. Sometimes people are reluctant and they think, oh, you know, I don't want to impose on people. 
Well, if I'm sitting there in my corporate job, I have this big project, I have an impossible deadline, I have a boss or a board or a customer breathing down my neck, and let's say that your email crosses my desk right at that moment and you happen to have exactly the skill set that I'm looking for, would you be imposing on me? Right. No, you would be saving the day. Right. I would be so happy to hear from you. Yeah. So it's really, if you have this superpower, this talent, you owe it to the world to get it out there. Not everyone's going to need it, but some people are, and you owe it to the world to let them know this is what you can do so the people who need it can get it when they need it. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. And I think that I, I constantly find words like this where the way that they're used is not, um, it's not that it's not correct or something, but anyway, my point being like selling, for example, has all these connotations like you just kind of described where people are like, they feel like a like they're selling snake oil is what it means if they are selling. And it's like, no, <laughs> really like to convey any idea to someone is in, in, in some way selling. I mean, there might not be a dollar or currency exchange involved, but you know, when I when I want you to be a guest on the podcast, to some extent, I'm selling you on that, right? I mean, again, we wouldn't use that word to describe it, but it's... So my point being that it's, again, it's something that people are nervous about, that they're actually just already doing all of the time, because to all communicate in some way is to sell, <laughs> right? All the time. The other downside to, to staying in employment, and again, not that there's only downsides, not trying to, to make it a shameful thing or something, but the other, another downside of it would be, the, the so the risk in entrepreneurship is that you're not successful or uh, whatever with with the selling um, and with, you know, getting the revenue and, and building the relationships, right? So, so selling in relationships are the keys you said. But the only way you would ever get better at those things is by doing them. Yeah. And if you lose a job, you haven't all the time you spend the job, you've not built those skill sets. Right. So while you as the entrepreneur might be at risk of some catastrophic, unforeseen, unforeseen thing happening, you also just have the literal hard skill set of. But I know how to talk to people. Right. So even if all of your clients today vanished and the Internet went away or something and you had to start over from scratch. You have an idea of how to do that, right? Where is if I just work at a, my, a day job, a corporation somewhere, mm-hmm. I I gotta hope someone else has got a now hiring sign hanging up. 
Well, that's a really good point. And one of the things that I talk about that I like to talk about is networking, mm-hmm. kind of like a, that that dreaded term that we all right. know that we should be doing. <laughs> and I, I like to talk about it because I'm kind of a weird person. Um, I started out as an engineer, so I have a really strong uh, introvert side to my personality, but I also have always done a lot of performing arts. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally comfortable on a stage. I can step on a stage in front of 10,000 people. I'm not nervous. It's it's totally fine with me. Until I start doing performing in college, I didn't I'd never even heard of stage fright. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> or fear of speaking or anything like that, which apparently some people have. I I'm, I'm being yeah. a flip about that because it's a huge percentage of the adult population that has a fear of public speaking. So I know that that's true. And you don't have to speak if you don't want to. But I would go to a networking event. Now, if I'm speaking at a networking event, fine. But I would go to a networking event just as an attendee. And I would go and I would get to that networking event and I would feel like I was at a junior high dance. And my shoulders would go up to my ears and I would stand around the walls and I would go to the event and maybe I would drink a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and I'd go home and I would think, I don't get this networking stuff. I didn't meet anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to talk to people or oh, it's not going right. to get you anywhere. So I have learned specific steps to network. And because I had to learn that for myself, I had to set goals and objectives. And I did something, I made a rule for myself that if I went to a networking event and I had a certain number a week or a month that I sort of required myself to attend as part of my business development program to build my business, if I didn't connect with at least one, hopefully three to five people at an event that I wanted to get together with later, because the networking event is just for that first intro, and then you're going to get together for coffee or lunch or a phone conversation to start building that relationship. If I didn't do that, then I didn't get credit. And that meant that I was going to have to go to another event. And then I started figuring out tricks. This one friend taught me that if you stand in the, the drink line, whether it, maybe you'll get some funny looks if it's a cocktail one, you know, if you get 10, <laughs> ten drinks. But if you're there by yourself standing in the, the food or beverage line, there's someone in front of you and behind you. So it's kind of, and they're usually by themselves and it's kind of natural to talk to them or volunteer to work the table where everybody picks up their name badge. So you get to you give yourself a job. And mm-hmm. I even, um, I mentioned that I was a dancer in one of my lives. And so for a number of years, I was on the board of a dance company. And even then, at the social events, I felt a little awkward. So I would give myself a job and I would be the bartender. You know, and it was just beer and wine. It wasn't anything fancy. But I would pour the beer and the wine and giving myself a job. And even I've learned that to translate that into my kids' school, even taking my kids to school around. And so since I'm a technology person, I've almost always worked with all men. Mm. So I feel a little weird around a group of women, which sounds funny, right? Because I'm a woman. (laughs) Um, But I feel a little bit like... Uh, junior high girls and just a little nervous Mm -hmm. so I always like to be the room parent Mm. because then I have a job right so for all those of you out there who are cringing at the idea of networking if you can figure out some of these tricks then then when it starts to work 
And then it starts to kind of all flow and you say, okay, I get it. You know, it takes some time, but if you can figure out kind of what your roadblocks are, um, then it starts to work. So I talked earlier about consulting is about finding your superpower. So I have discovered through my process of, of developing Billable at the Beach that one of my really big superpowers in Billable at the Beach is with each individual, I'm able to help them figure out what their roadblocks are in Mm. building their consulting business. Is it networking? Is it how much they should charge? I've kind of just developed this uncanny instinct about what's blocking you, you know, and what Mm -hmm. can we clear that to move it forward? So I might say, okay, I want you to reach out to five people this this week. And for some people, it can be 20. And for some people, it just has to be one. You know, it just depends mm-hmm. what your comfort level is and where you are in the process. So I have this uncanny ability to figure out, you know, kind of what's blocking each person. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this is this is probably more philosophical than you would have anticipated because it's not directly about your business. But <laughs> you mentioned it earlier and with you being a stage performer and and you mentioned that you don't have, you know, stage fright or like, that's not a thing that you've conceived of until someone else told you about it. But I'm sure that you still do encounter fear because you're still a human, right? Of course. (laughs) So how do you deal with that? Like how, how do you, how do you respond or process that when it happens? Because for so many people, that's the stopping point because they, that, that now they want to avoid whatever that is because that fear is so compelling How do you personally deal with that? Right. So I do. I think I think now because I see it in my I see it in myself so often and I see what it's blocked me and I work with other people a lot on their fears, again as it relates to business, not life coaching, but it ends up kind of tying into life. So I think it's easier now for me to recognize those. Um, and sometimes I just use tricks almost like you would use with a smaller child, I break it into really small pieces. So probably still one of my big fears is the constant outreach. And now I'm, you know, continuing to really develop and build my business online and figuring out how to outreach. So one of my programs right now um, that I'm not a program that I'm selling, but my initiative that I'm working on for myself is reaching out to three people in my audience every day and trying to get, you know, if you bought, why did you buy? If you didn't buy, why didn't you buy? What did I get wrong? And so it's hard because I'm afraid that the people are going to tell me, well, because your stuff is awful. So I make myself little rewards, kind of like if I do these pieces that I'm supposed to, then here's what I get. Mm. You know, I kind of build that in almost like my seven-year-old, like if you get all of your home, your schoolwork done, then (laughs) you get to watch your videos. I kind of use that type of a trick for myself to kind of reduce those fears down. But it's hard. It's challenging. And I don't think, I don't think we always recognize our fears. Yeah. I mean, I'll just be completely candid. Uh, That's just a topic that I've been on personally for probably, I don't know, two months now, maybe a little bit longer um, just again, in my own personal, personal life development, yeah. yeah, just kind of recognizing how prevalent it is and how often decisions are driven by that, right? Even not 
not gonna, I don't, it's not even like it's always a conscious thing where I'm like, oh, that's causing me fear. So I'm not doing, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's less conscious than that. But um, anyway, so again, sorry to <laughs> just kind of no, take you I, off the rails I, there. It's just an interesting <laughs> question. No, I think it's really interesting to talk about um, philosophical things and fear. And in my corporate consulting, one of, I also was talented at spotting, spotting fears. One of the biggest problems that corporate executives have in moving forward on projects, and I was, so I was really good at getting things done, mm-hmm. clearing those blocks, often it's an executive that's afraid to say no. Mm. And what's interesting is that saying no is much scarier than saying yes, because what if you're the one who said no to the iPhone? Right, yeah. Yeah, I read a book recently that said that, uh, made the point that when you say yes to something, you've just said no to everything else, right? So in trying to avoid the no with a yes, you've actually just said no over and over and over again, (laughs) even if you didn't literally make the sound, you know? (laughs) But you have not done it mindfully. Right. You've done it by default. Right. And so it's the fear of that making that decision. It's the idea that if you don't make your decisions, your decisions will make you. Mm Mm-hmm. So yep. take control of it. But it's scary because what yeah. if you make the wrong one? Right. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, it just that's another theme that, that not just me personally, but the, in all these conversations that I've had the opportunity to have, intentionality, if that's a word, yeah. being intentional. <laughs> it is, is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> being intentional is super important yeah. um, because of what you're talking about, because there's a path of life that's going to wind one way or another. And you can either try and, I mean, and obviously none of us have the power to control it 100% or, you know, things like that. But um, being intentional with how you spend your time and how what you think about. And yet, I don't even mean 24-7. I don't mean you don't have to be a, you know, a Navy yeah, SEAL yeah, yeah. about it or something. <laughs> That's another thing that I think gets lost in some of these conversations is that, you know, we talk about these these ideals um, these idealistic kind of, of ways of looking at things that are, are true and are, are valuable. But I think that sometimes people think, well, man, like, do you ever get to just take a break? And it's like, yeah, like you're not, yes. <laughs> you're not a soldier yes. in this now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, um, Not to belie the work that, that goes into all of this either, but just it, there's a, there's a balance to it. Right. And it's, it's not that it's in balance even, but it's just, there's always minor adjustments to kind of keep it. Right. So if someone's interested, you know, we've got someone listening and they're like, man, this is what I've been looking for. What does it look like for, for you to complete that process? And I, I know you said now you work with groups more so than, than just one-on-one with individuals. But, you know, obviously they can, they can go to your website, um, billableatthebeach.com. And where do they go from there? What, what happens after that? Sure. So just, just a brief comment is... It's easier than you think to start your own consulting business. You don't need a storefront or a shop. You don't need to build anything or find overseas manufacturing or stock (laughs) inventory. You need four things. And spoiler alert, you already have all of them. You need a phone, a computer, brain power, and business experience, right? Mm. Your superpower, what you've been doing, that's all you need. And it's surprisingly easy to get started because if you can find somebody that wants what you do, you can start working tomorrow. So I have developed, I developed it like I've developed all of my stuff through just stuff that I figured out and use on my own. 
and I've made it a, a little bit more um, catchy, and I call it three action steps to generate revenue now. It makes up the foundation of my business development program for my own consulting business over the last 15 years. I've been teaching it for 10 years to hundreds of people, speaking, workshops, through all of my programs. And so I turned it, when I went online a couple of years ago, I turned it into a free email course. Mm. So if you go to my website, which is Billable at the Beach, it will kind of pop out at you and you can grab my free email course, which is called Three Action Steps to Generate Revenue Now. It walks you three through, I'm a very practical person. It walks you through three simple steps that gives you the best possible chance of landing a project and putting a check in the bank. And I don't want you to get all hung up in I'm building this business and start. I just want you to land a project, get a check in the bank. If you grab that free email course, Three Action Steps to Generate Revenue Now, it rocks you really simple and straightforward through the process. So if you're out there thinking, oh, yeah, I'm all in, then grab it right away. If you're thinking, hmm, maybe I'll stick a toe in the water or maybe you don't have as much work as you want right now, or maybe you're furloughed for a couple more months and you just want to stick a toe in the water, then give it a try. It's a great way to just either dive in all the way or just stick a toe in the water. Either way, three simple steps. Awesome. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Um, well, Amy, I've had an absolute pleasure talking with you. Um, I didn't say this in my initial email to you, but I think I might actually just personally be a client. Great, I'm going to go check out your email program great, that you just great, talked please. about. Um, but anyway, that that, that aside, I, I really have enjoyed our conversation, and I, I think it's uh, fascinating, the work that you do, and I think it's awesome that you're helping people find new opportunities in their life. Again, not not that working in the corporate world is, is all bad or anything, but... Um, for people that want other options, it's awesome that, that folks like you are out there. Obviously, we'll have link to billablethebeach.com in, in the show notes so people can click directly on it. Is there anywhere else you would like to direct people, though, to, to, to connect with you or to, to find you? If you want to just get to know me or chat on a social media-wise, my main platform there is LinkedIn because it's sort okay. of a business-type thing. So cool. if you want to find me there, I'd love to chat there, too. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure and have that link in the show notes. Uh, well, Amy, again, thank you so much for your time. Billable at the Beach uh, is is what it's called. And uh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Great. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
Alright folks, well that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Amy Razdell for stopping by. Really appreciate her time. All the links for her content is in the show notes. You can check her out on LinkedIn or her website. Also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music. And of course, last but not least, thank you listener. I also want to encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is hosted by me and Brett Lindley. 
Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks on any podcast platform. Again, thanks so much for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.